0: Fine Pair's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter,
1: and I'm Joanna Sherino.
0: And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Chabal. and this is the Fine Pair podcast.
1: And I gotta say, you're very like you already
0: seem very comfortable again. You know, you're just like
1: I think I feel more comfortable comfortable now than ever before. Really? Yeah. Just like
2: give yeah. zero fucks. <laughs> yeah. <kind
1: of. laughs> she listened
2: to the episodes when she was gone. She's like, yeah, they need me. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what it is.
1: Guess what? I, I'm
2: sure that's what it is.
1: Guess how I listened to those episodes. One point two times. Speed. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck,
2: man, that's not cool. Who else does that?
1: <laughs> My oh. father-in-law does this. This is I mean, how he I feel like to that's like...
2: actually low for people who listen sped up. I, I, I know a couple people listening like one point five or two X.
0: It's really hard to t- listen two X. No, but... man.
2: Yeah, I think they're just doing it to say they listen to the podcast, but like, not th- not ours. I don't think. Hopefully, not ours, ours. Not ours. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, no one, no one. Yeah. Everyone slows it down except Joanna. They're like, I need this to last it's longer. Yeah, down. exactly.
0: <laughs> Look, this is too good. This is a great conversation. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, Memorial well, Day weekend. Yes, coming
2: yes. on. Or yeah. now.
0: Now, Friday. This is the Friday podcast. It yes, is. This weekend. Um, so we always talk about summer drinks over oh, the, yeah. for this podcast because, uh, you know, summer is when the hits are made, as they say. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we always do a little bit of predictions, but, you know, Zach, you're getting a little ambitious with what you want to talk about today, so we'll let you get We'll, we'll you let kick you kick it off. It. Yeah, we'll let you kick it off. But oh, uh, fantastic. Let's go, man.
2: Well, so I think my first, it's not exactly a prediction. It's its one of the things I'm most curious to watch over the course of the summer is what is this summer like for Rosé? And I think about this, you know, it's, it's appropriate, you know, we just released the top 30 rosé's list uh, it's obviously rosé is a year round thing to some extent um but it it's popularity it's sort of top of mindness if i can use a, a butcher a phrase there is most evident in the summer and i think it's one of those situations where what i'm curious to watch is a do we discern any you know evolution in the rosé trend what does it look like in 2023 but also how does it work in conjunction with this ongoing, you know, I think it's fair to say crisis in wine, where, you know, so many elements of the wine industry are facing real challenges. And that's not really the subject of what we're going to talk about today. I think we'll save that for another episode. I've got lots of thoughts, obviously, we all do. But I do think that, you know, Rosé has been such a bastion as a category for the wine industry. It's been such a, a hugely popular category of wine that is popular across a lot of different demographic groups and in a lot of different, you know, kind of use cases in on-premise, off-premise, etc. And I'm really wondering whether Rosé will remain strong, even with this sort of slackening demand for wine in general, or if it's going to get kind of pulled down by the overall wine trend and people are just going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm done. I've done the Rosé thing. I'm good. So I don't have a strong feeling about that. I mean, I think my inclination is that Rosé is seen by the market and by consumers as almost not wine, like seen apart from wine in a similar way that sparkling wine kind of is and may not suffer the same negative growth that wine is seeing. But I wouldn't be incredibly confident in that prediction.
1: I feel like Rosé is going to be more popular than ever. Like I think that more people, more average consumers are aware of Rosé now. Like I think about like my parents kind of. I, and, or my in laws are more aware of rose as a category of wine now than ever before.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. I think, um, and I think it's both points that you're making, which is that more people are aware of it. And then I do think that it sits separate from the rest of wine. And I think, you know, we've been saying this for many years now that you kind of have to watch what LVMH does in this category, and the fact that they've invested so heavily in Rosé, they bought lots of different chateaus, they're turning them into these luxury brands in the same way that they did did with Champagne, I think is really instructive towards where we're going to see the category move, which is to continue to be a lifestyle category. Mm -hmm. Um, And lifestyle categories in wine do well. Um, because they transcend the snobbery, right? Like, it is part of, like, you know, it allows... The lifestyle categories in wine allow those wines to behave like spirits in a lot of ways, right? There's no judgment in how you're consuming them, where you're consuming them, when you're consuming them. Um, They are at parties. They're at dinners, like... They depending on if they're higher end, say that you're quite well off. If they're lower end, you just want to go out and have a great time. Like these, that's what we have seen with sparkling. And I think when we talk about sparkling, to a greater extent, it's champagne and prosecco. And that's what we're going to see. I think continue to happen with rosé. There will obviously always be like a, a wine category of rosé, like winey rosés, if that makes sense. But those will be smaller and smaller. And I and I will say, I actually see. On a majority of nice restaurants' wine lists, their rosé category shrinking. Hmm. Um, but I see the rosé category at like outdoor bars and restaurants growing, um, which I think is really like that's who wants to buy it. That's you know I think you're going to see it all over the beach. You know any weekend spots like that's where people want to yeah. suck it down. But you won't see as much like ro- all rosé menus at fine dining establishments. I- I've been pretty blown away. least here in New York, by how much we see instead like orange wine Mm -hmm. sections and stuff like that compared to Rosé, because those are, I think, considered by a lot of people to still be like serious wines. But again, I actually don't think this is a bad thing for Mm Rosé. And I think the other thing is you've seen a lot of, this is the only category besides champagne where you've also seen outside investment from non-wine people flood in right like you've got you've got celebrities that are associated with rosé's yep. you've got you know well off entrepreneurs who've r- launched rosé's uh, you have sort of like rosé e startup type stuff happening i think that that is because again it's it's people who think they understand the lifestyle category um, feel confident in being able to deliver on a rosé even if the quality of that rosé is not that high or as high as it needs because it doesn't like people are just looking for something really Refreshing and easy, right? Mm -hmm. Like when we did the rosé tasting, like the thirty rosés we came out with, we feel really good about. But there were a lot of rosés that did make the list that we all said during the tasting. Well, if this was just served ice cold out of a bucket, you'd slam it down, you'd be Mm -hmm. fine with it, right? It's it's our 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 tastings are a little more rigorous than that. But like that is for a lot of people, all rosé needs to be. And so then, if you have the ability to purchase that bulk wine that is the is unfortunately still the right color. Right. So that very pale pink from Provence, put it in a beautiful bottle, you know, clear glass cap. I'm seeing a lot as a trend, right?
1: Some etching.
0: Some etching, Mm -hmm. make it look like it's just, you know, like you spent a lot of money and then have it served in a beautiful bucket at beach clubs, et cetera, across the country. That is going to continue to, I think, be something that is very, very popular with consumers. Um, But I think, you know, the other thing I'm just curious to learn this summer is, like, wh- where else are we... What else is tequila going to do? And, you know, do you guys think we're going to see, like, a breakout drink of the summer this year? Um, of you tequila, know, specifically? Or anything. Like, mm. will there be a, a... You know, so we had, obviously, the summer of White Claw. Right. We ha- we've had, you know, the Aperol Spritz summer, et cetera. Like, I'll, some people argue the espresso martini kind of really came about during... The summer became really popular because that's when people start to party again. I am curious like where we if we think there will be one cocktail that dominates the summer or not.
1: I don't know. I think it's really hard to say because we're in such a martini moment right now. It's really dominating the scene and like so many menus across New York City at least. But I do think. Like maybe we're due for the comeback of another like retro drink in the Mm. same way that we saw the Cosmo come back kind of Mm -hmm. again, like a pina colada kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Maybe
0: That's interesting. I could see that.
1: Zach, what do you think?
2: Well, so it's interesting, again, you know, talking about (laughs) previewing topics we will discuss in the future weeks. I do think that we're at this interesting cocktail point where you have this sort of nexus of, let's say, a resurgence in – Sweeter drinks and summer being a time when people are kind of on board with that in general. I think, uh, not that there are, people don't enjoy sweet drinks year round, but I think there's a you know sort of a summery beach tropical vibe that people get with those kinds with some of those kinds of drinks. But I also think that the the thing that sometimes is a barrier for that kind of cocktail and really taking off is that they sit in a sort of a weird middle ground of being maybe difficult to make at home, pina colada being like a great example of a drink that like, you know, the three of us probably have made or will would make at home, but the average person is not going to necessarily. I've never made it. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And it's, you know, you have to buy a bunch of ingredients specifically for the drink. I mean, you know, maybe some people have coconut cream or whatever hanging around at their house, but a lot of people don't, and pineapple (laughs) and stuff like that. And it's also, you know, it feels like and it kind of is a technique driven cocktail also to get it right, or a blender driven cocktail, depending on the kind of pina colada you're making. And you know, that may be easier for some people. But it's one of the reasons why I think it's funny, like the, the reason, a reason that I think the margarita remains such an incredibly powerful cocktail, I mean, year round, but especially in the summer months is that it's like, functionally, v- pretty simple to make for your average home bartender, right? It's three ingredients. It's relatively straightforward ratios and none of the ingredients are like limes are the most exotic ingredient and so you know, most people either have limes or it's they're very easy to get uh, almost anywhere and so the barrier for some of the drinks that i would think might ha- stand a chance to kind of break out this summer like something like i don't know like uh a, even a, a mai tai or something right like a great kind of summery drink like that's just a drink that takes a lot and it, so if it's not gonna be made by people at home then it's a purely bar-driven thing, and I just don't know that there's a, a drink that presents the sort of opportunity for, frankly, like the visual impact that a an espresso martini presents. But I do think that if there is one drink, I, I actually think the pina colada is a great guess because of its, you know, pot, potential for garnish and it's like sort of striking color and things like that. I also think like it could be a summer of the Pisco Sour. You know, we talked a lot about the Pisco Sour and drinks Mm -hmm. like that, but it is a visually impressive drink. It's maybe beyond what people will do at home, but I think it's also a drink that, and this is, I think, critical. My sense is that bartenders still think is cool. And that's kind of the other piece of this, right, is like people are excited about putting it on their cocktail list. They're excited about having people order it. And so I think it's something that you could see pushed over the course of the summer.
1: Well, you know how I feel about that. I've mm-hmm. I've been uh making for a Pisco Sour, you know, trend moment for a while now. Adam
2: is shaking
0: Joanna. his head. <laughs> I don't think so. I just don't think so. Mm-hmm. I just think the peace I mean the Pisco Sour I don't know. People don't like egg. It's true. And they're they're not cool with it. And I just think is a little bit too obscure of a spirit. To go to go like national, mm-hmm. I do think that Zach, your point is true though that like the bartenders need to want to embrace it as well. That's why you know again not to continue to pick on the New York Times, but <laughs> you know when when they decided to declare last year that the dirty Shirley was the drink mm-hmm. of the summer, and like there was this massive backlash by, first of all, publications like ours that were like, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And then also bartenders who were like, we will never make this. This is disgusting. (laughs) I think we sort of all knew that that was not a trend. That was just a faux trend. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think, what I think you could see, and this is what we're just starting to see bubble up again, is the resurgence of a trend that was a trend only a few years ago, but I think is making a comeback. And that is... The slushy drink, mm. the froze and the frozen Aperol spritz and things like that. I'm seeing those a lot.
1: Yes, you're right.
0: I'm seeing those a lot. I mean, I, I saw my own sister-in-law over Mother's Day weekend make frozen Aperol spritzes.
1: Well, Dave Arnold made a froze himself yeah. on Instagram. I thought it was really great, I think too. those are coming back. Yeah.
0: I think that that's like a... We tried this. Maybe we were a little too early on it. Let's do it again. And... I think you're going to see that all over the place. There's what's the bar that's in Williamsburg and in the Lower East Side?
1: Can't what do remember. They, the have?
0: Of it? they do a froze like that's what they're known for. Oh, Okay. And they've, they've become very popular. And I think that there's like there's a few places like that that are mm-hmm. starting to do the froze again. And, and other seeing, frozen wines and other frozen, but also then the frozen aperol Spritz. right? Like these lower alcohol, very cold drinks that people are familiar with, but this is a little bit different. And feel, I think, to people healthier than like a pina colada, hmm. right? Because they there's sugar in these for sure, but it doesn't have the coconut cream. Do
1: you think health plays a fa- is a factor in this? I do. Really?
0: I think. I think not. Maybe not health, but like feeling not full. Mm-hmm. And I think a pina colada can make you f- your tummy feel a little,
1: yeah, because <laughs> it's cream
0: rumly, yeah. you know. Yeah. So you're not going to drink a lot of those, whereas like a few frozen Aperol spritzes throughout the course, I think you can for sure. Sure. And then the other, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I think it's going to be true. I think we're going to see the continued explosion of tequila based seltzers, mm-hmm. yeah. especially high noon. I think it's going to be a massive drink this summer because it's really easy and it's different and you're going to. It, it just it's it feels simple to most people. I think you're going to see a lot of people buy this and say, "Oh, this is what I want to drink on the beach," mm-hmm. um, or "This is what I want to drink," you know, while I sit by the lake or whatever, and
1: or when you're home on the couch by yourself.
0: Exactly. To- that's I mean that's the number one time, right? Yeah. And you and you just have a screensaver of the beach on your TV, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, well. It's five o'clock somewhere, even though it's three in the morning. You know, it's just, that's how so you're going to live.
2: Painting a beautiful image of the high noon tequila seltzer drinker there. That's While well, you also trade stocks from, stock tips from Dave Portnoy. I mean, like,
0: I don't even know what else you're going to, but no, I think that people are going to drink it all everywhere is what I'm saying. Yes, Although that I a, agree. I'm proud of myself for that joke. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, those are the, those are the things I think are, are going to be huge. And then we always get surprised i would love to see like in terms of the martini just mm-hmm. because like i'm a you know i've got a vested interest here but i would love to see the lemon drop martini come back
1: uh, we're, we are though we're seeing we it, are right? but like we're for the summer
0: i think you, i want to see it everywhere mm-hmm. everywhere lemon martini uh, wait
1: why do you have a vested interest in this because i like i like lemon
0: i just <laughs> like lemon you know <laughs> lemon's a great drink and mm-hmm. i think you know products ba- made based with lemon are great products mm-hmm. uh i i like lemon and i think that there's something that's potentially there um that could be interesting and so i'm i'm hopeful because i don't think the martini will go away this summer no like it will stay but i just can't think about like drinking a martini martini like we had a ford's martini party in the office uh yesterday zach i saw it like, and it was fun, but I was thinking like, oh, I couldn't drink these in the summer as much. Like, you have like one, and you're like, oh, a little drunk going out in the heat to get home. Like, <laughs> I can't. That, that's still it's still a night. You know, it's still a night beverage. Yeah, and I and I feel like you also don't think of the mart. You think of the martini with like the classic steakhouse stuff that we're seeing now. But like, I still don't think about the martini like when I grill
2: out in the summer outside.
1: Yeah. You're not having it with a burger.
2: No, really. not really. I mean, you could. No, no, no beach martinis. Beach
1: martinis. That's a that's a strong move.
0: That's interesting. Beach <laughs> martini with like a with like an oyster on this, a few oysters on the side, Joanna. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> just that. throw them right
2: okay. in the just throw them oh, right, right in the shaker. Yeah, just throw them <laughs> right in the shaker. The little salinity that it adds. God. Oh, okay, it's <laughs> so um, a new
1: take on a bull shot. Yeah.
2: Okay, Joanna, you got to come up. Give us give us something. What are you looking for this summer? Uh,
1: I don't know. I think like. I think Adam mentioned it. I think orange wine is poised to have a moment. Not that it's new. It's been around for a long time. But it's
0: another one that the youths think they've discovered. It's
1: reaching, it's (laughs) starting to reach the masses. The youths, yes. Yeah. So I just love, I love when drinks trends emerge. I think it's fascinating.
0: Yeah. You know what also is really interesting is like, it's funny how things are a trend in New York and then they become a trend everywhere a few years later. Mm. So like, you know, what was it, three or four years ago, you know, people were writing about, like, the M&M shot.
1: Right. And
0: now it's, like, all over the place. Mezcal
1: Montenegro? Mm-hmm. Have like, you ever had it? Yeah. Is it good? No, it's not
0: for me. Okay. That's how I'm going to answer your I question. I think I to
1: try it because it sounds really interesting.
0: It's 50-50. But, right. like, it's it's really intense. Um, But you're starting to see, like, lots of bartenders make it. Like, mm-hmm. one was sent out to me at a bar in Napa when we were there. They're like, oh, we want to send you a round of shots. And they sent m ms So, again, it's like one of the things I think is like starting to go national. And I think it shows you how long it takes for those trends to happen. Like we were calling – we were saying the Cosmo trend was going to happen, you know, years before. We, we can see in our data when we were saying the espresso martini trend was going to happen, and it was three years early, mm-hmm. right? Because you start to see stuff bubbling up, and then it pops. And I think sometimes when you talk to brands, you're like, well, it's not happening right now. It's, yeah, That's the point. It's going to happen. Like you can sort of see it. The only other thing I wonder if we'll see is the the resurgence as well of like the daiquiri and the snackery, and are those going to come back in the summer? There's been a lot. I mean, I hear from a lot of people now that there's a lot better rums on the market. There's a more interest in rum than we've seen in the past. So we
1: saw a lot of snackeries on menus in um, Charleston. We did when we were there last year. So
0: I wonder if that's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Is like this is the, the the other summer drink, and then you know you know the drink that I would love more people to drink in the summer is the gimlet because it's just so tasty.
2: It's a good drink. Can, do you guys like? Do you want like a citrus farm, Adam? What's going on here? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I got some. Uh, I got some, some groves. Shares. down in Florida. Yeah, we'll see. So what happened was. Um, I, I trade in Citrus Futures and these guys, <laughs> these guys, um, they, I, they use in my former life, but I've been replaced. I've been traded places with someone, but these guys on the train gave me a tip. So,
2: oh my God. Okay. I hope someone
0: got that reference.
2: Not a chance, but
0: you guys haven't seen Trading Places?
2: Not like the movie. it's all about
0: citrus features. <laughs> oh, <I, laughs> oh, man, so I have good.
2: seen that movie. But it's been forever. That was good. Yeah. You're yeah. right Nice work, Adam.
1: But actually, speaking of citrus, I am seeing a lot of orange. Yes. On menus,
0: and I would also argue that orange is like the worst citrus right for which
1: is super interesting because there's a new bar in Williamsburg. Uh huh. What's his face? Salmanov's. Yeah, it's a new one, and it's oh, the yeah. whole menu. Java. Yeah, it's all. It's like all orange drinks.
0: Well, and then they make a lemon iced tea.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. they make a
0: lemon iced tea and then they're doing all orange drink. It's all oranges and citrus because of like the, the trying to feel like the, the beach of Tel Aviv, like right. the port and that's a lot about citrus. But yeah, it's and it's in the bars mostly
1: outdoors. But then I think of the Shinji drink drink as well. Yes. In the orange. Yes. And I think yeah, orange is a really interesting ingredient to come back.
0: Yeah. Another one of these things we just can't wrap our heads around, right, is consumers where like it's actually a winter fruit.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he, here it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're getting it all year round. Yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, anyway. come
0: on, globalization. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think that this, this – I, I feel more confused about this summer than I have in the past of like what the actual definitive drink is. And I think that what is confusing me is what you brought up at the very beginning, Joanna, which is like the martini is just so dominant right now. I don't know what steps in and says, "Hey, I'm here for 3 months to like hang out and be like fun and then I'm going to go away," unless it is like a weird light refreshing martini riff. Could it be like the 50/50 martini? No. People don't <laughs> actually like how vermouth tastes. Like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my true. that's,
2: you know, that's my take there. I don't think Do people be, actually yeah. like vermouth. It's true that that is a that is a negative to the 50/50 market. Yeah,
0: Exactly. But like I don't know what what else could it be? Is it just, I mean, Or do people just not care, right? Are they just like, look, this is my drink. I'm going to drink this this summer. I don't care. I just can't see like making a batch of martinis for the beach.
1: Yeah. Right. No, but I think that's where people... I, I actually
0: th- thought about throwing up just now. <laughs> Like, just the heat and, like, the towel, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, wow, that is the that is the definition of, like, alcoholic. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, drinking a martini on your beach towel. Like, oh, you've you got sand in
2: your olive. Yeah, like, talk oh. about a dirty martini.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: didn't, <laughs> shh. <laughs> just like, I don't know, right? No,
1: I think that's where people are going to be drinking their White Claws.
2: Or their high noon tequila or their, seltzers sorry, or whatever. high noon, not White Claw. Flavored, martini-flavored White Claw
1: stop that's what I meant Whoa. I just think they're gonna order martinis out and then at home or at the beach or at the park they're gonna be drinking other things that's what that's
0: a free one olive brine white claws that's a free one <laughs> that's a free
1: one
2: yeah I can't imagine that's why good. that's still hanging out that's there that's good undone no that's good you right, guys well, like that?
0: Someone's curious. Someone who listens to the podcast is curious about an olive brine
2: white claw. Adam, if in a year and like a half I'm I'm sampling on the Friday episode an olive brine seltzer, I'm going to blame you. Cool. That's They've good. made
1: pickle pickle seltzers, yeah. right? Yeah. Picklebacks
2: are making a comeback too. Really? Yeah, they are. I love pickles. I don't like drinking pickle juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What
1: about beer in the beer space? It's
2: over for beer.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I feel that way too.
2: <laughs> it is. Well, so so this is really interesting to me, because I think that that's both true and not true. I think that we're you're still going to see lots of, you know, Mexican beers, light lagers, that kind of stuff, because for people, you know, for the reason you're describing why people don't want to drink a gin martini or a vodka martini in the summer, they do want to drink lighter beers. But I think in terms of like, seizing back the Market share that beer once held this time of year, those beers once held I agree, I think it's largely over, and it's really interesting to me because I thought about this um you know, in the wake of the very recent hop take that David Vonte wrote about how kind of we've exited the era of innovation and in craft beer, and while I don't a hundred percent agree with him, and I kind of give him some friendly ribbing on slack about that. I do think that there is something to be said about whether they whether beer as actual beer, not, you know, sort of <laughs> seltzers and things like that, that the beer industry has kind of moved into, has the potential to, to generate new styles that captivate people. Now, I hate to say ever that something can't happen because then it will happen and I'll sound dumb, but I think it's like we may have kind of mapped out the, most of the space that beer can occupy, and the truth is, is just for certain kinds of drinking occasions, other things have come to the fore that people prefer for a variety of reasons. And it's really, you know, kind of like, like, for example, we might have thought five or six years ago that a Shandy was going to be a summer beer or a summer drink. But the truth is, is that the kind of person who wants Adam's beloved citrus in the summer probably doesn't want it mixed with beer. They probably want it in a seltzer or in a, you know, in a cocktail, even they don't really want yeah, beer plus lemon or beer plus whatever. No,
0: no one likes a Shandy.
2: <laughs> I mean I like a shandy from time to time but it's never something that I'm going to be like I want a lot of these all summer long. And to me it's just beer's problem if it has if it could be so concisely explained is that like the amount of times that people want to drink a beer are fewer than they used to be and that's just a reality for the beer industry for mo- the the drinking public at at large.
0: I feel like that also the beer just did a really bad job and maybe the, maybe this is the warning to wine right of like embracing the lifestyle. And like Mexican beers did a great job of that. You know what beer really shit the bed? Which? It's not Bud Light. They did though, real <laughs> bad. By uh, Red Stripe.
2: Hmm.
0: Red Stripe was like the beer of summer mm-hmm. when and like then Diage and then Diageo owned it for a while. And like I know they sold it to Heineken. Heineken has just done nothing with that brand. Yeah. Like that brand, I remember. It being such a, like, that was the brand that, like, when I was underage, we were like, let's try to steal some Red Stripes and drink them to the beach. Like, that was the cool summer beer was Red Stripe. And, like, it's in a cool can, cool, cool bottle. Bottles, and, yeah. like, I was talking to Tim about this, actually, because he was saying that, um like, in the U.K., you know, 15 years ago or so, like, it was, like, also, like, the cool, like, indie rock beer, you know, mm-hmm. that everybody sort of, like, drank. And I, just, like... What happened to that brand? And especially when you you hear these stories of, like, all these other beers trying to become the next Mexican beer, right? So, like, you have the um, the Cajona beer or whatever, uh, Budweiser-owned, Hawaii-based brewery. Oh no. Kona, Kona. Kona, yeah. yeah. Kona, like, they're trying to do it. Like, what is Heineken doing? Like, they literally have the beer of Jamaica, which screams summer to everybody. Also, weed is legal, y'all. So, like, it goes hand in hand now. Like, it's like everything, it's the lifestyle of, like, being on the beach, smoking a little weed, and, like, drinking some Red Stripe. What is going on? How did they just ruin that brand? Call me, Heineken. I'm happy to help.
1: I don't think they ruined it, but they didn't. They let it go. Yeah, they didn't, like, seize the opportunity I to make it something. It.
0: It, it could still be so huge in the summer. Like amongst uh, you know again as a lifestyle product, it's like for the people who don't drink beer that often. But you're going to the beach, and you're like, well, we should pick up some Red Stripes. In the same gr- same people I know who don't drink beer that often, they're like going to the beach, like we should grab some Coronas and Modelo's because like yeah. we're going to the beach, like and Red Stripes should be in the cooler too. And they're just like not along for that ride.
2: Yeah, I'm not even sure the last time I saw it.
1: I was gonna say the last I don't time either. I had one. Yeah,
2: such a cool little punk bottle, though. They yeah.
1: have they have rum drinks, canned rum drinks, Red now. Stripe. Yes. That's dumb. That's the direction it went. That is like,
0: again, like just (laughs) take – this is what brands do so often is like you they they take their eye off the prize and like they forget what their actual brand is good at and known for. And they just like expand because there's a flashy thing. And I think that like you see that so often. Like building brands is really hard. And you're talking about drinks trends. We see sort of them starting to bubble up here and then it's four or five years until you see it somewhere else. Like – a, a spirits brand, a, a wine brand, that it can take years, 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 and constant investment in the same thing over and over and over again. But unfortunately, like a lot of people, aren't paid for their investment in years. Their their compensation is due to you know results in the here and now. And so, like I guess Redeye figures, well, if we can create a rum based drink and and make some return right now, someone gets promoted. But like. That's so bad because they they had the brand the brand equity in red Stripe is so strong yeah that like this could be such a great summer brand just fix it guys
1: they have red Stripe lemon paradise for no. you, Adam I'm,
0: you know what I take back what I said <laughs> earlier. I don't want that. You can call me, though. Uh, You can email podcast.vinepair.com if you're a Heineken executive. I'd be happy to give you a free consultation (laughs) on how you fix Red Stripe. (laughs) Then my fee will increase. But I'll give you one free session.
2: He'll demand beer and compensation. Yes.
0: No, just fly me to Jamaica. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways,
2: I hope you guys have a great Memorial Day
0: weekend. You
1: too. Um,
2: Sounds great.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now, through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show.